Hey, welcome to the Better With Wine podcast. We hope to make your day or evening or morning, whatever, better with wine. I'm Gracie. And I'm Elena. And we are here to ferment and filter all of this gritty info for your drinking pleasure. This is reference episode one, wine terminology. So the purpose of this episode is to introduce you all to some vocabulary that we feel is necessary when talking about wine. Um, We think this is a really great place to start if you're a beginner or if you need to just brush up on some wine words. And we're here to just set you up for um, a base level knowledge so that you can understand the wine world a little bit better. I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, Elena, but when I first got into wine, I didn't know jack crap about (laughs) anything. So (laughs) having these words just knowing what these words mean when it comes to wine is easier than trying to figure them out along the way. It's like when you cook, like who the hell knows what sauteing is until you're told what sauteing is. Or like, what is boiling? I mean, if if y'all watch Shit's Creek, what does folding the cheese in mean? (laughs) Like it's, it's super simple. And, um, once you understand what it is, then you're speaking a whole different language and we can all speak the language together. Exactly. So we're just, we're just want to get these words out of the way, define them for you and let you know how important they are, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're important. Um, because, you know, we're going to be speaking, like we said, we're speaking a specific yeah. language, but it's not like a language that's like exclusive to other people or to only like wine snobs. Like it's oh, just no. super easy language that uh, we want right. you guys to be part and of. And these are probably words you have heard wine snobs use and been like, oh, my God. So like for you to understand them and to know them, you can be like, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, know I, know what they're know yeah. <laughs> I know what they're talking about. OK, so let's go ahead and start. Yeah, let's um, get into it. There are 14 terms. Please do not be scared by how many terms there are. Um, they are kind of categorized a little bit. Uh, they flow together. They one goes well into the next in a way. Or if they don't, there will be a third term that will kind of bring mm-hmm. them together to help you understand. So there's yeah. a reason there's method to our madness. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get going. Um, OK, what's our first word, Elena? All right. So the first word is tannin. Tannin. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I know. It's a good one. Because it's a good one to start with. It is. Because I feel like that's something people have heard and are like, oh, yeah, I know the what that is. The tannins are great. But they have no idea what it is. <laughs> this is so tannic. It's the tannins. So tell us, tell us what tannin So means. tannin is, um, if I'm going to get real technical, it is a phenolic structure in wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for the for just simply put it's it's the astringent texture in wine that gives the drying feeling in your mouth right so when you drink a wine and you think oh my gosh this is so dry it's actually tannic right so when that you get that feeling. drying feeling where it's like all the all the saliva is sucked out of your mouth mm-hmm. that's tannin if you think about when you eat a whole bunch of grapes and <laughs> You in they just like yeah, yeah. that that it's, I, when I was a kid this is dumb but I used it's to not peel dumb. the skins <laughs> off of grapes because I'm a weirdo and if you just eat the skin from like a Concord grape or whatever it does the same thing like it makes yeah. your mouth dry up and it it gives this like gritty texture but I did obviously as a child I had no clue but now that I know what tannins are in wine I think back on that and I'm like oh that makes sense 
You know what? That just like leads right into where are tannins coming from. Right. This is important. So tannins in wine come from the skins, the seeds, and the stems. Oh, my God. (laughs) Great segue. So when you were eating those skins when you were a kid, (laughs) you were just here for the tannin. (laughs) Oh, my God. So um, you love that astringency. Like, I really like super long steeped black tea Mm -hmm. and that also if you steep your black teas really for a long time um that's also a lot that that's a tannic um that that has a tannic structure Mm -hmm. to that the 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 beverage yeah that's the more common um (laughs) reference when we talk about tannin is steeping black tea um but it's 100 percent true Mm -hmm. so whenever you drink wine you won't find a whole lot of tannin in white wine. Correct. You'll only find mo- primarily tannin in white, or excuse me, red wine or sometimes rosé wine. Mm-hmm. The tannin in red wine it can vary from very, very tannic or lightly tannic because of the grape variety. Mm-hmm. So some grape varieties will have thin skins. Um, some grape varieties have thick skins, and the the skin texture and thickness, if you will, are going to be correlated with how tannic a wine can be. Wine, or sorry, tannin can also come from oak Mm -hmm. when a wine is aged in oak. So sometimes um, a, a, a wine that cannot produce a whole lot of tannin naturally from the skins and stems or the seeds they might age that oak if they want I mean, age that wine in oak for a, in a small barrel for a long period of time to help impart tannin, um, to help impart that structure and that texture into a wine to make it more complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's totally up to the winemaker. Like, they can choose to ferment the red grapes with the skins and seeds, or they can choose to ferment without. And if they do without, they're not imparting any tannin into the wine. If they do with it, they can also do it for two hours or two weeks or it I mean the the options are endless yeah it's crazy so one of my favorite wine grape varieties that I know you'll agree with I know it's one of your favorites as well is Pinot Noir it's my favorite it's so good and (laughs) the reason why is because it is a thin skin varietal it's beautiful it is a beautiful beautiful grape um there are so many things it is being a thin skin variety um I mean, I don't want to go f- too far into it because this is literally about tannin right we now. We will have a Pinot Noir We episode. will have a Pinot Noir <laughs> episode. Um, but being a thin skin variety, it doesn't have a whole lot of natural tannin in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you can have a Pinot Noir that is very light bodied and zero tannin and really easy to drink. And um, mm-hmm. then you can also have a Pinot Noir where the vintner has, cho- we'll get into vintner in a bit, where the vintner has chosen to age that wine mm-hmm. in oak for quite some time. And then you can have a Pinot Noir with tannin from the oak. And that is just such a cool yeah, flavor a cool and texture and complexity. And it's just, yeah, so that that is that is tannin from both the skin, seeds, right. or the and when oak. You're, and when you're thinking about common um, styles of wine that do typically have a strong presence of tannin, we're going to be talking about your Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a thick skin varietal, Zinfandel, Malbec, those kinds of really heavy, which we'll get into heavy as well. But um, those kinds of, those styles of wine are, are your really prominent tannic varieties. That don't require oak to impart those tannins. Exactly. So the next word is fruit. Fruit. 
So this is word two. Word number two. <laughs> fruit. Kind of fruit. So we all know what fruit is. Yeah, this might be a confusing term. Like, why are we talking about fruit? But, but it is important. It's super important because um, fruit in wine is the fruity characteristics of wine. So we're talking about when a wine, when you taste a wine and you taste cherry or raspberry, melon, lemon, lime, grapefruit, apricot, peach, pineapple, you know, all these, Anything. all of these fruits that you taste are the characteristics of the wine. They're characteristics of the grape variety. Mm -hmm. And they are also um, indicative of what grape variety you're drinking. Yeah. So this is commonly mistaken for sweetness. Yes. Um, a lot of people think that if a a lot of people think that a wine is sweet because it is really fruity, whereas in turn, usually it's just really fruity. And we associate fruit with sugar because when we eat fruit, it has sugar in it. And our minds are tricked to think that the wine actually has a yeah, sweet. They're associative. Yeah, exactly. So but usually it's just very fruity and there's actually no sugar in the wine. Well, it depends. But it's a very common misperception. Yes, absolutely. And um, so when we taste fruit, that's actually the first thing that we dis discuss when we mm -hmm. are tasting wine. We assess the fruit characteristics because right. it is going to be the most prominent uh, descriptor or the most prominent. One of them, yeah. One of the most I prominent mean, characteristics of a grape itself. Right. So um, fun fact, when you taste Sangiovese, the fruit characteristic, the fruit that you might get more prominently than other gr grapes, primary grapes, are is going to be strawberry. Sure. So you, strawberry is not very common in a lot of grapes. Cherry is very common in a lot of grapes. So if you get cherry from certain, uh, you know, from the wine that you're drinking, then it, it that doesn't really help you narrow down a whole lot of things. But strawberry, or uh, maybe raspberry, or pineapple, even if you're drinking a white wine will actually help you narrow down when tasting a wine what that wine might be. Right. And I think it's important to say, too, some people actually believe, and this is a very common thing that people do believe, is that when fruit is present in wine, people think that the wine is made with that fruit. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's so common. And that's a myth. <laughs> We're here to bust it. <laughs> it is a myth. So it's just the grape variety yeah. that produces those flavors and aromas. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with actually growing and making yeah, they the don't wine put with those fruits. Cherries in the wine, which I know for sure. That's not. I definitely used to think that. <laughs> I did, too. You know? We'll go to the next word um, or concept. This one's more of a concept, I guess because it is a sweetness versus dryness. So um, we just talked about fruit and how people commonly mistaken fruity wines being sweet. Well, sweetness and dryness, I feel, is simple to when you think about it, but it, mm -hmm. it's just like one of those vague concepts. It is the presence or absence of sugar. Right, and it's, it's two words, sweet and dry, I feel like are two of the most common things I hear at the restaurant of like, oh, what kind of wine do you like? Oh, I like something dry. I like something really sweet. You know, you always use those words. Yep. And it's important to kind of differentiate what they mean. So dry is little to no sugar left over in the wine. Sweet, there is actually going to be some sugar left over in the wine yes. from fermentation. Correct. And that goes right into the next word, which is residual sugar. RS. Professionals tend to call it RS. Mm -hmm, for sure. I personally don't. I call it residual sugar. Um, but that's just whatever. And this is what I was mentioning earlier in my little personal story. <laughs> so um, sugar is 
or sorry, residual sugar is sugar left over from the grapes in a wine after fermentation has mm-hmm. finished. So when f- a wine is being fermented, the yeast eats the sugar. And we'll go into that in a little bit, but the yeast eats the sugar. And sometimes the sugar, there is sugar left over from that fermentation. So from that yeast eating it. So if there is, that's going to be residual sugar, sugar, sugar that resides mm-hmm. after fermentation. Mm-hmm. If there is zero residual sugar left over, then that's going to be a dry wine. So residual sugar is simply just the sugar that's left over after fermentation. Okay, let's move on. Um, next we have body. Yes. Body. How does a wine have body? What? Well, body is the weight a body. of a wine. <laughs> so a light-bodied wine is lightweight on your tongue. So right. a full-bodied wine is wine that is physically heavy on your tongue. Right. So this is primarily caused um, by the grape variety or the varieties being used to make the wine. So some light-bodied wines will be created by light-bodied grapes. So what's a light-bodied grape that you know of, Gracie? That might or red. Let's do white. I would say Pinot Grigio. Yeah. Totally light-bodied. When you drink a Pinot Grigio, Mm -hmm. it almost is like water going down your throat. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the times, too, you can look at the wine and see how... I don't know, clear, translucent it is to maybe decipher what the body's going to be like. Not all the time, but that's another way. I mean, Pinot Grigio looks very clear, like water, and it goes down super light as well. <laughs> yeah. And then what's a, what's a heavy-bodied white? Uh, Chardonnay. Te- definitely. <laughs> totally, definitely, all of the above. Yes. Um, and the same that's thing, like you were up. saying, like it is definitely more of a yellow-golden color. It is darker. It does have a little bit more viscosity to it when mm-hmm. you swirl it, and then when you put it on your when you put it in your mouth and you drink it, it, it has that weight. It yes. coats it. That's the body. Right. It's like drinking. I mean, we all love Chardonnay too. So, um, not to say that this is a negative thing, but mm-hmm. it coats it. So that's almost like drinking a syrupy type of wine. Right, but it's not because it's not. there's no RS. Because there's no RS. <laughs> so that texture is like a lot thicker. It's a lot more weighty. It is actual physical heaviness on your on your tongue. Yeah. So when we talk about body, it's literally just the way it feels on your mouth. On the, your tongue. the weight. The, the weight. weight. Yeah. Yes. Which leads us perfectly to mouth into mouthfeel. So <laughs> specifically, mouthfeel is going to summarize all of these things. Mm-hmm. So mouthfeel is a descriptor for the texture of wine. Is it creamy? Is it thin? Is it heavy? Is it dense, dry, or slippery? Does it last and linger, or does it just dissipate immediately? Yes. This is mouthfeel. Endless. There are so many descriptors for mouthfeel. How does it feel in your mouth? Mm -hmm. Is it astringent? Is it not? And this can go back to tannin too. When we're talking about tannins, that's definitely a mouthfeel. And tannins can take on different personalities. They can be silky or smooth or grippy and aggressive, whereas, you know, like acidity plays along into the mouthfeel and that can be super bright or super dense or it's just it it, the words that go with describing wine (laughs) can be a little overwhelming but they're 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 important to bring up they are and yeah so when we talk about mouthfeel we're talking about literally almost anything that you feel in your mouth when you drink wine right just point sim- blank. Simply, yeah. simply put. <laughs> How your mouth feel? <laughs> so um, you mentioned acidity. So let's go ahead and talk about acidity real sure. quick. Um, acidity refers to how tart or sour or bright, which is the fun 
descriptor word mm-hmm. that we like to use safe that word. a wine tastes it's a safe word safe <laughs> word we don't like to say tart or sour right. because it sounds bad and scary yeah um but bright is the best way to describe or the most friendly way to describe it or zippy and zesty yes those are my favorite it's a factor in the balance between bitterness or dryness in wine so acidity is created by when a grape is growing and the sugar has not fully developed the left the acidity before the sugar develops that is that's that's the acidity right there mm-hmm. so we like acidity in wine we, we love it, we love acidity it it's sounds perfect. scary, but yeah. we love acidity because it helps create that complexity. It's the backbone to any elegant and well-balanced wine. Absolutely. And so when we say it's a balance between bitterness and dryness, when we taste bitterness, it's right in the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. It kind of hits you. But acidity, and, the, and then when you taste dryness, so that, that tannin texture, mm-hmm. it's drying. It sucks the, ma- or sucks the saliva out of your mouth. But acidity is the opposite it actually makes your mouth water right so it balances that weird bitterness in the back of your throat and the dryness in your teeth and tongue so acid helps balance that Mm -hmm. it also helps balance the sugar so if like oh yeah there's like a a lot of sugar in your wine you want it to also still be a little acidic Mm -hmm. so it balance it has that balance and it and it just creates that it helps aid in that complexity it, does. it absolutely does i mean if you think about a sweet wine that has a high acid high acidity that acid's going to cut through that sugar and that wine's not going to feel as sweet as it really is exactly so a lot of and it's interesting too like a lot of heavier reds actually do have high acidity but because they have such a strong tannic structure and a heavy mouth feel that acid's not going to shine as much because of those other factors that balance out the wine mm-hmm. high alcohol i mean that's another one that goes into it but Acid's really cool. Um, in our next episode about tasting, we're, we'll, we'll teach you how to do the acid test, which is very fun. It's something, <laughs> it's like a really good party trick. To, um, <laughs> the acid test. The acid test. So we'll, we'll be able to teach you how to figure out the level of acidity in the yes. wine you're drinking. Ugh, so good. Yes. Um, okay, on to your favorite one, pyrazine. Yes. Pyrazines are so cool. Pyrazine is technically one of um, your tasting notes or... Um, like it goes kind of hand in hand with fruit. It's not a fruit, but it is the presence of either a non-fruit. It is a non-fruit. He has a non-fruit characteristic. Um, one example, there are several, is pyrazines. So pyrazines are the presence of anything green in a wine. Green meaning jalapeno, grass, green bell pepper, um, literally organic things that are green that you can think of. It's, it's, and it's the crazy. actual literal term literally. Yes, Literally. <laughs> I say literally. <laughs> no, I am, I am actually, because you said literally, and I don't want people to brush over that, that oh, concept. No. Because it actually it literally. means literally organic things that are yes, green. But not literally fermenting wine with grass in it. Correct. <laughs> literally, that's just what the grapes portray. So wine will be called pyrazinic if a dominant presence of green notes are apparent. Or we'll call it fruit forward if a wine is super fruity. But pyrazines are um, definitely something we're going to be talking about because it's, it's, and I think the reason we put it in this episode is because it's one of those non-fruit characteristics that people have never really heard of. You know, you've heard of oak, minerals, uh, balsamic, flowers. flowers, you know, those kinds of things are kind of 
obvious, but when we start talking about pyrazines, we don't want you to be like, oh, what the heck is that? <laughs> yes. And um, so one wine, and I, we mentioned this a little earlier, mm-hmm. the wine that is was like aha moment for you and me me as well. A lot of people but, actually go through this, yeah. It's Carmenere. Carmenere. And that is a, we're not going to talk about it this season because we're only going to cover the common grape varietals mm-hmm. this first season but we will cover it eventually it is a cousin to the merlot grape variety mm-hmm. and um but it is unique in that it has a very yes. intense pyrazinic quality it is and it is green bell pepper or jalapeno it's crazy and if you're curious about it they're from chile they used to be one of the main bordeaux varietals but you can definitely find one at your local liquor store they're not expensive if you're if you're interested about pyrazines go grab you a bottle of carmenere c-a-r-m-e-n-e-r-e correct so carmenere Carmenere. and like like she said they're not expensive you Mm -mm. can get a great one for under 12 dollars yeah there's just a really fun style of wine that most people so good because it's also a cousin to merlot it has like some really great fruit notes too so it really balances the pyrazinic qualities really nicely it's so tasty it's so savory it's a great food wine but it's also a great wine to drink by yourself or by itself without food or by yourself or by by yourself or whatever (laughs) i mean (laughs) there's zero judgments here we encourage all all types of drinking okay so next we're going to talk about fermentation so i mentioned this a couple of times um fermentation is simply the process of turning the sugars of wine into alcohol So that is sugar plus the addition of yeast equals alcohol. The Mm. yeast eat the sugar and then they fart out alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Or they poop out alcohol. They poop it out. They poop out alcohol (laughs) and then during secondary fermentation, they fart out carbon dioxide. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there when we talk about sparkling wine. Simply put, sugar plus yeast equals alcohol. Yes. Or that turns grape juice into wine. Yeah. So, um... That's fermentation. And I mean, it, if, if they add, so the vintner will add yeast into the wine, the, the grape juice and like the, the, mm-hmm. the mash. Mm-hmm. And um, then they will let the yeast do, do, its, do thing. its thing. And we could nerd out on this all day, but we're not going to bore you with the science behind fermentation. Yeah, but that's um, simply it. So it's fermentation. It is literally while all the grapes the stems the seeds if the vintner chooses to use that a part of the fermentation but it's that juice from the pulp going into a vat whether it's you know cement vat or stainless steel or or yeah what concrete whatever oak whatever and then they add yeast the yeast eat the sugar and then they poop out alcohol (laughs) that's how you drink what you're drinking (laughs) and we are drinking yeast poop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean it's delicious it's my favorite kind of poop to eat or drink <laughs> i didn't know you ate so much poop elena I, well <laughs> just it's just beverages <laughs> anyway okay next so that kind of goes into um we were talking about how wine is grown and made we've kind of talked hinted around that a little bit so viticulture specifically um we will mention the viticulture um quite a bit in vinification those yeah. words if we don't if we don't use these words these are the concepts that we're talking about right. uh viticulture is what happens in the field it's the growing of the grapes specifically so it is the farming of 
the vines and the right. grapes. Very, very, very simply put. There's so much that goes into growing vines. I mean, canopy management, irrigation. I, I, I don't even want to list anymore because it gets so confusing. <laughs> pesticides yes. or the use of pesticides that they choose to. Uh-huh. like. Um, it's, it's so simply put, viticulture is what happens in, in the, the field, yes. in the in the vineyard, in the field, yes. Vinification is the next one. Uh, vinification is the science and art of making wine away from the vineyard. So whatever happens in the winery, yes. So they pick the grapes, they move them to the winery, and they start making wine. When they start making wine, that is when they start vinifying, or that is when the vinification process occurs. So this is when the winemakers and or the vintners get to make all the super important decisions about what they want their wine to taste like. So they'll they'll taste the grape and then make decisions based upon what the grape tastes like to create a beautiful wine at the end. And there's yeah. a lot that goes into it, but the process is vinification. The vinification starts from right before they pick the grapes, too. Yes. Because sometimes it in order to make a certain wine, if their goal is to make a certain type of wine, they're going to need to choose certain grapes from that vine, from that row or from that acre Cluster, or yeah. whatever it might be. Or they might that might also be a part of choosing how they pick the grapes. Mm-hmm. Are they going to hand pick or are they going to pick with a machine or whatever it might be? So there's a whole lot of other... Yeah, in the time of day. Sometimes they pick it like at 3 a.m. when yeah. it's dark out. <laughs> yeah, because it's cool and it helps um, preserve the sugars in the grape. Right. So vinification and viticulture cross right when it's picking time. Mm-hmm. But viticulture stays in... The vineyard vinification stays in the winery. Well, that brings us to our last term, which is terroir. 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 As the French. So, say. as the French say, if you want to say it with your French accent, it is terroir. Otherwise, Americans, we say terroir. Terroir. Here in Kentucky. Terroir. Terroir. T e r r o i r. Terroir. It's a strange word. <laughs> um, so the, there is no direct translation from the French language mm-hmm. to this. It's So it's a little abstract, but um, simply put, it's just how a particular region's climate, soils, aspect affect the taste of the wine. It also includes the hands that help grow and make the wine. So... Let me dive in, in into it a little bit. It composes several aspects of the grape's environment. So I already mentioned that a little bit, but further into it, wind, rainfall, sun exposure, soil type, pH levels of the soil, what grows nearby? Are there is are there is there like a big forest of oak trees nearby or is it a desert? Um, surrounding natural elements is it inland is it on the ocean or is it on a river mm-hmm. um, animals in the vineyard are there owls around are there because that's really cool <laughs> know, it's, a, yeah. it's a thing <laughs> are there owls there are there owls let me get that owl wine. <laughs> <laughs> um are there like bugs certain bugs in one area you know um the altitude is it high altitude or is it close to the sea level etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. Most of these things are uncontrollable factors in the winemaking process. These factors are thought to directly affect the taste of the final product. So that means if your grape grows near the, re- the ocean, 
that environment, that salt water and the and the wind and the possible storms and like this the sandy soils, that's going to affect the flavor of the wine differently in comparison to a, a grape grown in a landlocked area. Yes. Also, let's mention that it also involves the person that grows the grape and the person that um, makes the wine. Makes all the important decisions. <laughs> exactly. So we talked about viticulture and vinification. Mm-hmm. They both make separate wine decisions, but they all have the same goal in mind, and that's to make a really excellent wine. Let right. me... Okay, so... Let's simplify it a little let bit. Me, yeah, so simplifying it. So, like, Gracie, if... You and I both are going to grow a tomato plant in our backyard, mm-hmm. right? And you are going to grow it on one corner of the backyard, and I'm going to grow it on one other corner of the backyard. And we're fenced in, okay? So we've got a full privacy fence in the backyard. And I'm going to grow my my tomato plant one way. And we're not talking about our tomato no, plants. No. We're not. Why, why would we t- share our secrets? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to grow your tomato plant in the backyard right and then at the end of our season we're gonna gonna harvest you're gonna do your thing exactly with your tomatoes and we're gonna harvest our tomatoes but we're also in communication with bennett is my husband and miles is your boyfriend Mm -hmm. so we're gonna be in communication with them and they're gonna be the ones making tomato sauces right so i we're gonna harvest our tomatoes and but we're gonna talk to them too like hey do you want what kind of a tomato sauce are you making? Are you gonna make like a more high acid tomato sauce? Or are you gonna make one that's super like ju- like juicy and like robust? And then they're gonna tell us, and then we're gonna pick the tomatoes for that purpose. Purpose mm-hmm. for that. And sauce. then we're not gonna. They can choose. We want Gracie. I want yours. I want two of yours, and I want one of Elena's. Mm-hmm. And Miles is gonna Miles is gonna say that, and then Bennett's gonna say like, I want four of Gracie's, and I only want two of Elena's. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to sit here, and they're going to make their tomato sauces. Their tomato sauces are going to be completely different. Absolutely. But why are they choosing only two of mine and more of yours? And it's probably because the microenvironment of yours might have a little bit better sun exposure and wind mm-hmm. exposure. For the style they're for looking for. For the style they're looking for. But they're also, you might have watered yours differently than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and in turn, their and then, tomato sauces are going to have a certain terroir about them. And the tomato sauces that Miles and Bennett will make are going to be, they're going to taste different. Polar opposites. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no. They will be very different, but it's all going to be based on the styles that they make, what ingredients that they put mm-hmm. in. I mean, obviously, with winemaking, we talked about that they don't put other fruit in or anything. Right. <clears throat> but what are the, what what are the ways that they're going to make their tomato sauces? Like, Miles might do his sous vide, whereas Ooh. Bennett's going to make his sauteed in a pan you know mm-hmm. like there are different ways to do it so that is the difference between terroir when growing grapes and then the winemaking so the the hands that grow it i i grow it differently than gracie grows mm-hmm. her tomatoes and then miles and bennett make different sauces sauces based, based off on... of the different tomatoes that yeah. are grown and it's it's terroir is like she said a very abstract concept and you can take take it with what you will but the romantic side of it is that the wine is supposed to envision or or impart those elements of terroir. You're supposed to be experiencing those as you drink the wine, and it's a very, very beautiful experience. It is. I mean, okay, the wine that comes straight to mind when I taste the terroir yeah. is anything from the Loire Valley. Oh, beautiful. Because... So the Loire Valley is going to be in the middle of France. 
It goes straight from the Atlantic Ocean all the way to the center of the of the country. Just along the Loire River. Right, <laughs> just along the Loire, Loire River. And I'm thinking specifically um, like Sancerre. Sancerre, yeah. Yeah, or I was going to say Terrain as well. Mm-hmm. So those are both Sauvignon Blancs from the Sancerre region and the Terrain region of the Loire Valley. And Sancerre, we all like Sauvignon Blanc. And Sancerre and Terrain have different types of soil vastly different they are vastly different even though they're right across the river right (laughs) but they also are super indicative of their of their terroir Mm -hmm. with the elevation that they have the proximity to that river and then the type of soil that they both are in absolutely that they're growing in like it's just it's so like when you taste a sancerre you taste that soil yeah you taste that minerality it's it's aggressive, yeah. It's beautiful, but it's also floral, and elegant. There's not a whole lot of fruit that's like, it's not as fruity as like your Sauvignon Blanc or your even your California. Your California oh, yeah. Sauvignon Blancs are going to be a lot fruitier, but like that terroir within Sancerre is just like, it is so it talks so loudly. I agree, I agree. So terroir is a, an interesting concept, and we hope we've our explained it well because we do love it and we appreciate it. And we understand the importance of it. And it's definitely something we like to to bring up when you're talking about time. wine. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. going to and when we talk about every single wine, we will bring up the, 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 terroir, the terroir and like the purpose of certain winemaking decisions. That's part of like what we're going to be kind of deducing when we taste our wines is like, oh, this is probably why mm-hmm. the winemaker decided to do this or this is probably why this or whatever. And we will actually be able to talk about the decision making that these vineyards made with the uh, growing of the grapes or the canopy management or, mm-hmm. you know, like in Argentina, there are certain places that need and they require the netting above it because it constantly hails or sleets. So like we can talk about that, you know, down the road when we decide to Absolutely. like give labels of the wines that we're, be- we're going to be drinking. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kind of coming to a close, the last two definitions that we have are sommelier versus connoisseur. So sommelier, I know we hear that all the time. I don't know about you, but I hear all the time, yeah. like, are you a sommelier or connoisseur or what? I don't know. <laughs> What's that one? What's that one? That? <laughs> <laughs> so a sommelier is a wine professional who studies wine and has achieved a certification signifying their knowledge of the properties of wine within the range of that certification. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what certification they, for the, uh, of the exam that they took for that certification, but it just signifies that they have one and that they have proven their knowledge. Yes. In some sort of capacity with some Right. So you can, you can be a sommelier at a very low level certification level. You can be a sommelier at a master level. Mm-hmm. You're still sommelier. Right. Because you are proven, you have proven that you have that knowledge mm-hmm. and experience. There, and then the levels, there's levels. There are levels. There are all the levels. <laughs> We're not going into it. A connoisseur, on the other hand, is one who loves and appreciates wine, tastes and drinks a lot of it, and knows quite a bit about wine through self-study, but has not achieved any certifications. Mm-hmm. Literally, the difference is just the achieving of the certification. That's all. They're the same person. Mm-hmm. It's just one person has chosen or not chosen to Take that exam and, and mm-hmm. achieve that certification. Yep, simply put. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. There's <laughs> yeah, a long definition. Well. No, as well. Okay. That's good. We're going to have these definitions listed on our website, 
We'll have these ref this reference sheet on our website for you. We will also have books that we personally study. We also reference on our website for you to click and purchase. Um, if you have any further questions, please shoot us a line. Yeah. So, um, and either on our website, on the comment section, on the podcast page, um, or through Instagram, whatever. There are so many different ways that you can contact us and ask us questions. Or if you just want to like give an anecdote or like share with us your aha moments, we would absolutely love, love to hear that. We will absolutely share those too um, with all of our listeners during our mini episodes um, when we actually hit that point, which is going to be the second week of... January. Yes. Um, but yeah, please, we want to hear all about we everything. Do. We want to know what we you guys talk are to into. Guys. <laughs> what kind of wines you drink? What you want to hear about? Yeah. Um, so again, our Instagram handle is at betterwithwinepod. Our website is betterwithwinepod.com. Um, definitely check out our next reference episode right after this. We are going to dive into the steps of tasting wine and why we do it. Um, be sure to open your closest bottle of wine before diving in so you can taste along. And we are so excited that you guys have tuned in. Thank you so much for chilling with us. You have made our wine, our wine, our evening, drinking wine, and our evening better Better with with wine. wine.